how can we treat people right right now? And that's what James is going to help us with here in chapter 2. Faith and favoritism are incompatible. They're incompatible. We have to remember that we are a family. We're a family of believers. The Bible says that how we relate to other people, how we, how we love people, how we treat people shows how much we truly love God. You know, a church that loves people, a church that accepts people, treats people right, is a church simply that God will bless. And may we as believers love each other, treat each other right, and shine the glorious light of Jesus Christ to a dark world that needs that light. Morning. Take out your Bibles, turn to the book of James this morning, James chapter 2, as we continue our journey through the book of James. We call this How Faith Works. It's good to be back in Colorado uh, today, back at Orchard Church. Shelly and I just returned from about a 10-day trip to Slovakia. We were visiting one of our missionary families, the Obermans, Peter and Zorka, that we support as a church family. We're there encouraging them, speaking for them, and uh, they're trying to get a brand new church started there in Slovakia, so we're doing some consulting and helping with that. So be praying for them. We're super, super excited excited about their ministry. Uh, we did just get back late Friday night, so I'm still dealing with a little bit of jet lag. It's like eight hours ahead there. So I was thinking as I was driving in this morning, boy, I hope the preacher is really good this morning. It keeps me awake because I'm a little tired. So if you see me nodding off, just throw something at me. But uh, while we were there, uh, one of the things they did, they brought us up on stage last Sunday in their service, Shelly and I, and they uh, were thanking us and thanking our church and I want to give that thanks to you guys because uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we sent them $5,000 out of our mission fund. Uh, they meet in a building that's about 400 years old in Slovakia in the little town of Nova Mesto. And so the roof is like 150 years old. It needed to be replaced. And so we helped uh, pay for that new roof you can see in the picture behind. So isn't that exciting that we can do that and bless our missionaries? Just wrote them a check and sent that to them. So they, they brought us on stage and thanked us and thanked our church. They gave Shelly some flowers and those have died. They gave me some candy. I was going to bring it back and share with you guys, but I ate it. So sorry about that. But be praying for our missionaries, Peter and Zorka Oberman. They're doing a great work there in, in Slovakia. Let me ask you guys a question this morning as we jump into our message today. How many of you like things that are real? You like things that are real. You know, real chocolate, real coffee, real leather. We like real people, right? But sometimes it's hard to know who the real people are and the fake people are. And have you ever been to one of the wax museums? Well, recently one of the wax museums played a trick on people and uh, it was pretty funny what happened. Check this out. Today, the title of our message in James is How to Have Real Faith. 
I mean, James is going to contrast the difference between counterfeit faith and authentic faith. I mean, how do we really know if someone has real saving faith? If they're a true believer, if they have a home in heaven. And I want to challenge you guys today. I, I think this is one of the most important messages in this whole series in the book of James. Because what we're going to talk about today and what James is going to challenge us with has eternal rewards or eternal consequences attached to it. I mean, what we're talking about today is eternity. Where someone is going to spend eternity. Eternity, and it's based on whether or not we or somebody we love or care about has real faith. So James is going to tell us how real faith works. And three times James states his point, and I want to show you one of the places in verse 17 of James chapter 2, verse 17. He says this three different times in this passage. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is what? It's dead. It's not real faith. And so we're going to answer a couple of questions about this passage. And the first question we want to answer is this. Who is right in the Bible, James or Paul? Because if you know a little bit about the Bible, you get to know the writings of the Bible, it seems like James and Paul are saying two different things. And I want to suggest to you that both of them are right. And I want to clear up what this does and doesn't mean. Because this is one of the most controversial and misunderstood passages in the Bible. Um, you know, false religions and cults love to go to this passage and twist it and take it out of context and tell us if you want to be saved, if you want to go to heaven, then you've got to do certain things. You've got to work your way there. 98% of all religions of the world take a passage like this and teach that we work our way to salvation. But yet we know the Bible says we're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Not any work that we've done, but by the finished work of Jesus. Amen? And we believe that and we teach that as a church. So James is not saying that we must work our way to heaven. See, Paul, throughout the Bible, most of our New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul, about 90% of it. And over and over, he tells us salvation is by grace, grace through faith, in what we believe in, putting our faith in Jesus. So the question is, when we get to James and he says faith without works is dead, it's not real faith, is James contradicting Paul? No, not at all. You just have to understand the context. I've told you guys over and over, the three most important rules of Bible study are context, Context, context. So I want to help you with the context of Paul's writing and James' writing so we don't get confused by this passage. I'm going to do this quickly, but it's important so we get our teaching and doctrine right from the Bible. You have it in your notes in a little chart there. The problem that Paul was dealing with most of the time in his writing was legalism. Legalism says that you can work for your salvation or you work to be righteous and spiritual. The problem that James is dealing with is not legalism but laxity. People saying they're saved, but there's no evidence of it in their life. And I said laxity, not laxative. That's a different problem, okay? It's a different problem. Laxity. Um, in, in the scriptures, in the context, when Paul is writing and he's talking about works, he's dealing with the Jewish law. In James, he's dealing with the Christian lifestyle. Two different things. The focus in Paul's writings was on the root of salvation. The focus on, in James' writing is on the fruit of salvation, Writing in two different contexts. Paul is talking about things that are internal and unseen. And James is talking about things that are external and that are seen in our Christian life. The purpose of Paul's writings, most of his writings, was to help us know how to know I'm a Christian. Where James is helping to show that I'm a Christian. So different context. A good summary verse that brings together the teachings of Paul and the teachings of, of, of James and faith and works. And how do these work together is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And, and watch the progression of this passage. And it says this. 
For by grace you have been saved through what, church? Faith. And that not of yourselves. It's not anything we do. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. There's three prepositional phrases in that passage, and it's important that we understand them and we keep them in the right order because it's the process of salvation. We're saved by grace, through our faith, in that grace, and then we're saved for good works. You see that? Does that help you? Say yes. We're not, we're not saved, you know, by good works, for grace, through faith. We're saved by grace, through faith, but then good works should follow genuine faith. And that's exactly what James is talking about here. Faith that is real and genuine will have works. You'll see it. I like the way A.W. Tozer said it. It kind of helps us with this doctrine. The Bible recognizes no faith does not lead to good works. Nor does it recognize any works that do not spring forth from faith. The two are opposite sides of the same coin. I like that. So here's the second question. Now we understand that. What is real faith? What is real faith? What is genuine faith? How can we know if we or someone we care about has real saving faith? James is going to give us five insights to how we can know if we have real faith. And he begins by explaining what real faith is not. What it's not. You have this in your notes. Real faith is not just something you say. Real faith is not just something you say with your mouth. Look at verse 14. James asks this question. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone, what's the next word? Says that he has faith, but he does not have works. Can faith save him or can that kind of faith alone save him? Where he just, someone says, notice James says they say they have faith. It doesn't say they, they have faith. They say they have it, but there's no works. In other words, they talk a good talk, but there's no walk. They know all the right phrases. Have you, have you noticed how a lot of people in America today claim to be a Christian? I mean, we live in a supposed Christian nation. In July of this year, ABC did a poll, and they asked people to tell what their faith was, and 83% of the people in America claim to be Christian. Claim to be Christian. Now, if 83% of the people in America truly are born-again believers and Christians, then don't you think America might look a little differently than it does? Maybe that people would live a little bit differently. Today, we tend to label anyone a Christian who vaguely sounds or resembles a Christian at all. You know, you'll have some sports person, you know, football player, basketball player, the end of a big game, they'll interview them. I just want to thank God. Oh, they got to be a Christian. They thanked God. And then the next week, you know, they're in the news and all kinds of trouble. Real faith, James says, is more than just talk. Real genuine faith is not just something you say with your mouth. For me, one of the most sobering, alarming, disturbing scriptures in the Bible that ought to get our attention is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. He, he echoed what James is teaching. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Jesus said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons and done many wonders in your name? And Jesus says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Not, not I knew you and then I didn't know you. No, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness or, or sin habitually. You see, not everyone who has a Christian bumper sticker is a Christian. We know that because of the way some of them drive. 
There's a difference between being a professor of Christianity and being a possessor of Christianity and salvation. You see, I can tell you guys this morning, I can dunk a basketball. Thank you for encouragement there. And, and, and you laugh because I can tell you that and I can say that, but unless I can do it, I'm fooling myself. It's a counterfeit. And I can't dunk a basketball. I know that might be a surprise to some of you guys, okay? No, I can't. I can barely reach up and touch the net. So it doesn't do any good if I say I can do it, if I can't do it. What, and, and that's what James is saying here. He's making this case. What value is this kind of faith where we just say we have faith, but there's no evidence of our faith? He says it's worthless, that faith. Talk is cheap if there's no proof at all. Years ago, Larry Flint, who um, is the producer of Hustler magazine, a pornographic magazine. Now he you know, uh, is into pornographic films and movies and all kinds of things. He came out and said he was a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. And a lot of people say, hey, Larry Flint got saved. But guess what? He's still producing pornography today. Is that real faith? And do, do you know anyone who proclaims to be a Christian, but when you look at their life, nothing resembles that of a Christian? We all do. And James says that is not real faith. That's phony faith. So what is real faith? Well, it's not just something you say. James gives us something else. Real faith is not just something you feel. It's not just something you say, and it's not just something you feel. You know, many people confuse emotions and feelings with real faith. We think, well, if we have a feeling or emotion, or if it makes us cry, then maybe we got the real thing. But you can be emotionally moved and yet never act on it and not really be changed. And, and James gives an example here of something that might affect us emotionally, but we don't do anything about it. Verse 15 and 16. James says, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, they, they're in need, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? He says, what good is it if you, it just emotionally affects you, but you don't help them. You don't do it. You know, it's like you, you see someone in need and you're like, hey, I feel for you, man. Hang in there. Cheer up. But you don't do anything to help them. You, you we're great at Christian cliches, aren't we? Somebody has a need. Well, I'll pray for you. When maybe we could meet that need. It'd be like I'm leaving church today. Let's say I'm going out of the parking lot. I'm getting ready to leave. And I see that someone in our church has a flat tire. Their tire is flat, and I pull up beside them to check on them. I notice they got a flat tire. It needs to be changed. And I say, man, listen, I can relate. I've had a flat tire before. I, I feel your pain, man. Sucks to be you. Have a good day. I'm going to pray for you. What? what? What good is that? James says real faith is practical. Real faith gets involved in people's lives and does something. Notice in verse 15, he says, if a brother or sister is in need. This is talking and referring to Christians. You see, when you and I became a part of God's family, we assumed some responsibilities for one another, to help one another, to care for one another. And a real believer cares about what happens to other believers. This is why we have small groups here at Orchard Church. We have over 40 small groups, groups of 10, 12, 15 people where we can know each other and pray for one another and care for one another in those groups and love on one another. You know, you come to a church that's our size, you know, 11, 1,200 people on, a, on any given weekend. And it, it's easy to think, well, you know, I can't meet everyone's needs. Listen, I feel that frustration as your pastor. I see a lot of needs in our church and I can't, I'm one person, I can't meet the needs of 1,200, 1,300 people. But I can meet somebody's needs. 
I can't meet everybody's, but I can meet somebody's. That's why we have a small group and we have people we can care for. We need to, to show our faith by caring and loving on other people. A lot of you in our church, most of you here at Orchard Church recently, showed your faith in a tangible, caring, loving way. And you maybe didn't even realize you did it. And I want to commend you and I want to thank you. We, we made a plea like we do every year around this time to collect Christmas shoe boxes for our kids and our feeding centers around the world. We have three feeding centers in uh, the Philippines and Haiti and Mexico and many children that will not have Christmas without our help. You guys this year collected, we collected 600 Christmas shoe boxes for our kids and our feeding centers. Can we praise God for that? That is awesome. We had about 40 people came out and helped us organize those. And last week, uh, those boxes were all loaded on a semi. And now some of them are going by plane. Some of them are going by ship so they can make it and get through customs in time for Christmas. That's putting your faith into action. Loving and caring. And thank you for every one of you that had a part in that in, in any way. In 1 John, 1 John 3.17, John said it this way. If someone has enough money to live well, and that's pretty much all of us in America, and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? He's saying the same thing as James. How can we say we're a believer if we don't put it into action? Real faith is generous. Who can count on you when they're in a crisis? Are there people in your life that they could call you up in the middle of the night if they had a need or an emergency or needed prayer and they know they could call on you? That you put your faith in action and help them out? Because James says a proof of salvation is that we love Christians and we love other people. You know, Gary did a great job last week on the message, how to treat people right. James is continuing to talk about that. You know, I hope you like fellowshipping with other believers. If you, if you don't like fellowshipping with other believers and getting together with other believers, you're going to be pretty bummed when you get to heaven. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of believers there hanging out for a really, really long time. And it's amazing that some people today name the name of Christ and say they're Christians, but they never want to be with other Christians. They, they don't want to be in a small group. They don't want to be in discipleship. They have no desire. And James is like, what? That doesn't make any sense. That's not real faith. James says, if, if my faith doesn't lead me to help someone else and care for someone else, he says, that's a counterfeit faith. That's a phony faith. Notice what he says in verse 17. He says, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's what? It's dead. It's not just sick. It's not just hurting. It's dead. What is real faith? Real faith, genuine faith, is not just something that you say with your mouth. It's not just something you feel and it makes you emotional. And here's something else. Real faith is not just something you think in your head. James tells us it's not just something you think. For some people, faith is an intellectual trip. You know, faith is a matter to be studied or debated or discussed or defended. But it doesn't really change their life. And James imagines an intellectual objector here in verse 18. And he says this, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. James says, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You know, it's like somebody's like, hey, you're into faith. I'm into works. It's cool. You know, different strokes, different folks. Let's just talk about it. Let's just debate about it. Let's just stimulate conversation. I don't want it to change me. I don't want to make a commitment. The key phrase that... James uses over and over in verse 18 is, show me your faith. He says, you say you have faith? Show me. Real faith is visible. It's apparent. You can see it. You know, faith is, is, is difficult, isn't it? Faith is hard to see. Because faith is odorless, it's colorless, it's weightless. 
So how do you know if someone really has it or not? You'll know because of their lifestyle. You'll know because of their life, their marriage, their family, how they handle their finances, what, what they do with their life, that you'll see it come out in their life. You see, faith is a lot like calories. You can't see them, but you can see the results of them. Faith is like that. You can't really see it, but you can see the results. Faith is like the wind. You can't really see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. You can see the trees blowing and the leaves falling and the, the flag blowing. You see the effects. And faith, James says, if it's real faith, you're, you're going to see the effects of it. Real faith is expressed in visible ways. I didn't realize this until I was studying this again in, in James, that James was from the state of Missouri. Because you know what the theme of the state of Missouri, their motto is? They put it on all their license plates. The show me state. James must be from Missouri. He's like, show me. He says, if you claim to be a Christian, I have a right to ask you to prove it by your works. Show it to me. Let me see it in your life. Because that's how faith works. It'd be like me saying to someone, I think my family is very important to me. And then them asking, well, do you spend time with your family? No. Do, do you provide for your family? No. Do you protect your family? No. Well, I think my friend, I think my spouse, I think my, my neighbor, my coworker, I, I think they're a Christian. Well, do they ever attend church? No. Do they ever read their Bible? No. Do they ever witness and share their faith? No. Do they ever tithe? No. Do they ever serve? No. Well, then how do you know? Well, I think they are. I think they are. James says real faith is not just something we think. We sang a little song when I grew up in church. Maybe some of you sang it. And I'm not going to sing it because you guys have heard my singing. But I'll tell you the words. If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. That's what James is saying. If you really have real genuine faith, it's going to come out. It's going to make a difference in your life. It's not just something you say. It's not just something you feel. It's not just something you think. You know, Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, really belongs to Christ, has real faith, has become what kind of person? A new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Now listen, this is a process that goes throughout our life. It doesn't happen overnight. That when someone accepts Christ, that everything's changed. But, you know, we ought to be a little more like Christ this month than we were last month. We ought to be a little more like Christ this year than we were last year. Jesus ought to be making a difference in our life if we have real faith. Amen? Amen. That's what James is saying. I mean, you can't grab onto a 220-volt wire and it not affect you. I mean, you're gonna, if you grab onto 220 volts, you're going to know it. And everybody else is going to know it. And when the God of this universe invades your life and comes inside of you, people are going to know it. And you're going to know it. I even ask sometimes people, I ask people, well, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Well, I think I am. I'm not really. That's like asking somebody, are you married? Well, let me think about it. I, there was this one time, you know. I mean, you, if you have God in your life, you know it and others know it. I think it was President uh, Carter that was asked this question about his faith one time. And he said when somebody asked him this question, it, it changed his life and, and as, as a believer. They said, if you were arrested for being a Christian, 
Would there be enough evidence to convict you? That's an interesting thought, isn't it? If you were arrested for being a Christian and you were put on trial, would there be enough evidence from your friends, your family members, your neighbors, your coworkers to convict you, to prove that you are? That's what James is saying. Real faith always produces a changed life. James says, if you know it, then show it. What is real faith? It's not just something you say. It's not just something you feel. It's not just something you think. Now, hang on to your hats because this next one is going to surprise you. And you need to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. James is going to tell us here, real faith is not just something you believe. We sang about belief this morning. But James tells us real faith, genuine saving faith, is not just something you believe with your head. Many people have strong beliefs about Jesus, about God, about the Bible. They can recite creeds and explain doctrines. And James uses a little sarcasm here in verse 19. And he says, okay, you say you believe. You believe there is one God? Well, big whoop-de-doo. That's in the original Greek language. He says, you believe there's one God? You do well. Big deal. Even the demons, what? Believe. And they tremble. It affects them emotionally. James is like, you believe there's a God? Big deal. Saying I believe there's a God won't get you into heaven. Even the devil believes there's a God. James is like, so, so what? You, listen, let me remind you, church. The devil is not an atheist. He is not. The, the, the devil, Satan, knows more about the Bible than probably a lot of us do. The demons believe there's a God and it affects them emotionally. They tremble. This word tremble in the Greek does mean to bristle. Like the hair on your arm stands up when you watch a scary movie or TV show and you get goosebumps. It emotionally affects you. And the demons recognize the awesome power of God and they tremble. They believe there's a God, but they don't follow him. You see, there's a difference in believing about God and about Jesus and about the Bible and believing in Jesus. That's what we sang about this morning. We believe in Jesus. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the resurrection. We believe in, not believe about. James says an intellectual assent is not enough to get you into heaven. It's not enough to save you. Let me illustrate it this way. And this is not a political statement, so don't make it one. But at any given time, whoever is the president of the United States, we as Americans all believe who the president of the United States is. But do we all believe in the president of the United States? That's a different story. That's what James is saying. There's a difference in believing about God and believing in God. And a lot of people, it's been well said, miss heaven by 18 inches. The distance between our head and our heart. A lot of people. It's not just because we believe about God. John 3.36, Jesus said this, And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Notice James here said, didn't say that the demons believe in. They just believe. They believe about. There's a difference between believing about and believing in. Over 100 times in the New Testament and throughout your Bible, you'll find the phrase, believe in, believe in, believe in. Too many people believe about, but don't believe in. There's too much easy believism today in America. You know, just say this prayer, say these words, and you're good. Now listen, I know at, after every service and every message, I lead people in a prayer, but I always say this, and I'll say it again today. It's not a magic prayer. It's not a magic words. You have to believe in it. 
It's not what you just say or you think or what you feel or you believe about. You've got to believe in. Real faith is it's believing in Jesus Christ. So what is real faith? James tells us real faith is something you do. It's evidenced by something you do. Real, genuine faith is active. It's not passive. It's a commitment. And James illustrates this point with two very different people in the Bible. In the rest of this passage, he he gives us this illustration of two people that are completely different, but they only have one thing in common. And these two people are Abraham and Rahab. One is a man and the other is a woman. One is a Jew Rahab is a Gentile. Abraham was a patriarch. Rahab in the Bible was a prostitute. Abraham was a major character in the Bible. Rahab is a minor character in the Bible. But there's only one thing they had in common. You know what it is? Their faith they put into action. They had a faith that could be seen. Their faith was evidenced by their obedience to God. And they lived it out and it led them to action. We don't have time to go into all the story. But you can read Abraham's story in Genesis chapter 22. Where God said, Abraham, I want you to prove and show your faith to to the world. Now God already knew that his faith was real. But he showed it to everybody else. By willing, willing to take his only son Isaac up to a mountain and sacrifice him. And God... He showed his faith and God stopped him. He didn't have to, but he, that story, and that, that's what James uses in the illustration, how Abraham revealed and showed his faith by being willing to obey God to do the unthinkable. And he says in verse 20, but, you, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is what, church? It's dead. And then he gives the illustration of Abraham and Rahab. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Now, he'd already been justified before God, but he was justified before people as we saw his faith in action. Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. It was made evident. It was revealed. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, that happened, listen, 25 years before God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. He had already been a believer for 25 years. So he didn't get saved. He didn't become a believer when he he went to sacrifice his son. That was 25 years later. He was just revealing it. And and he was called a friend of God. And then James says, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. He lived it out. And then he gives the illustration of Rahab. Do you like spy stories? Well, hers is a spy story. You can read about it in Joshua chapter 2. And, and basically, when the children of Israel were going into the promised land, they had to go through the city of Jericho. And Joshua took two spies and sent them in to check things out. And the spies could have been killed. And so there was a lady named Rahab. She was a prostitute. And she believed enough in the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that she hid the spies. And she, she preserved their life. And she showed her true faith. And she risked her life. And, and then James uses her as an example. Verse 25, he says, Likewise was not Rahab the harlot, the prostitute, also justified by her works when she received the messengers, the spies, and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And he uses these two people, Abraham and Rahab, to show two people who had real, genuine, saving faith And we know that because it was evidenced by what they did in their life. Our faith is demonstrated by what we do. That's how faith works. Actions speak louder than words. Our behavior shows what we really, truly believe.
doesn't it? Our actions show what we really truly believe. Back in the mid-1800s, there was a man named Charles Blondin. He was a French tightrope walker who came to the United States. He joined the circus and he went around walking the tightrope. And he didn't just walk the tightrope, he did crazy things and acrobats. He'd stand on one leg, he would take a chair out there. One time they said he sat down on a chair and he cooked himself an omelet on top of a tightrope. And somebody gave Charles Blondin the challenge to walk across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. Never been done. Without a net. And if he stumbled, if he fell, it would be to his immediate death. He took the challenge and they put posters up and they told everybody around that he was going to do this. And so on June 30th, 1858, Charles Blondin went to Niagara Falls. They had set the tightrope up across Niagara Falls and hundreds and thousands of people had gathered to watch this. So he grabs, you know, the balancing pole and he begins to walk across Niagara Falls. And when he successfully gets to the other side, the crowd erupts in applause. And they go crazy. And then he takes the balancing pole and he walks back across the other side of the people and they go crazy. Then he takes the balancing pole and he throws it aside and he walks with no balancing pole, which is even more difficult. And the crowd is going wild. The crowd is going crazy. They can't believe what they're seeing. And they're just going nuts. And he works the crowd into a frenzy and then he does something really crazy. He gets a wheelbarrow and he takes the wheelbarrow and he's like, do you think I can go across with this? And the crowd's going nuts. So he takes the wheelbarrow and he starts walking across with the wheelbarrow and, and the crowd goes nuts. He comes back to the other side and he takes some bricks and he puts it in the wheelbarrow and he walks across with that and the crowd goes crazy. He comes back and he fills it up and the thing is overflowing. I mean, it's barely balancing on firm ground and he's about to walk across. And he's, he's walking up to the edge to get to the tightrope and he passes this one man who's standing there and he's cheering and he's with his family and he's going nuts. And he looks at him and he's got this. He says, do you, do you believe that I can do this? And the man says, yeah, I do. And he goes, do you really believe? He says, I believe you could do this all day. I believe you could do anything. I just can't believe what I'm seeing. Charles Blondin goes, get in. <laughs> That may be where some of you are today when it comes to faith. It's time to get in the wheelbarrow. It's time to get in with your faith. Paul said it this way, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, and it's such a challenge. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? That you have real genuine faith. Unless indeed you are disqualified. Disqualified from what? Salvation. Eternal life. A home in heaven. This is not something to mess around with, church. This is a big deal. I thank God for James' challenge. Do we really have genuine faith? I want to close with a couple of questions of self-examination. In light of what James has said. Am I really a Christian? Well, how do you know? Well, what changes can you point to? What changes can I point to in my life? 
is, is my lifestyle any different from the rest of the world and unbelievers? Do I believe in Jesus Christ or just about Jesus Christ? Now listen, do not misunderstand this passage. Works do not deliver salvation. Amen? They, but they do demonstrate salvation. And that's what James is saying. Works are not to get it, but to show you've got it. If your faith doesn't work, what good is it, James says? It's dead. It's worthless. Isn't it time for some of you, you made sure of your salvation today? This is not something to mess around with. Are you in the faith? Would you pray with me? With heads bowed and eyes closed, all across the auditorium. This is a very serious message. And maybe you're here today and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Isn't it time you accepted Christ today? I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment. To put your faith in Jesus. Maybe for some of you, you say, you know, I, I think I'm a Christian. I'm pretty sure. But are, are, you, are, you, are you 100% sure? This is not something to mess around with. I mean, we, we double-check things in our life that are important to us. You know, we double-check insurance policies. And we're going on vacation and we make a reservation. We double-check to make sure that our reservations are secure. Listen, there is nothing, there's not a reservation more important to double-check than your salvation. And maybe some of you need to do that today. Now listen, I'm not trying to get anybody to doubt their salvation. James is not trying to get anybody to doubt your, your salvation. But if you have any question or doubt at all, make sure of it today. Make sure of it today in this service. I accepted Jesus Christ when I was eight years old. But when I became a teenager, I was about 14, I began to kind of question, did I really get it? Did I really have it? I just wasn't completely sure. And I made sure that day and I've never doubted it since. To this day, I wonder, was I really saved at 8 or 14? I don't know. I'll ask God someday. But after that day, I knew for sure. Maybe that's where some of you are today. Examine yourselves. Test yourselves. Make sure you're in the faith. This is not something to gamble with. And whether it's the first time, or maybe it's doing it again to make sure. I want to lead you in a prayer of faith right now. Bible says, whoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In faith, in real belief. Not believing about, but believing in. It's not a magic prayer I'm going to lead you in. It's not magic words. But if you put faith and belief behind it, you can know Jesus is in your life. And if you're ready to make sure of that today, would you pray this prayer with me in faith from your seat and from your heart right now? It goes like this. Jesus I believe in you. I don't just believe about you. I believe in you. I believe you died for me to pay for my sins that I might be forgiven, that I might have eternal life. Jesus, I want to know I'm in the faith. And today I accept you by faith as my Lord and my Savior. Help me never to doubt it again. And help the works of my life to show that I have real faith. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving, saving, and forgiving me. Thank you. With heads bowed and eyes closed all across the auditorium, 
I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time, or you prayed it again, to just make sure. I want to pray for you, personally. Would you slip up your hand all across this auditorium? I prayed that prayer of faith today. I wanted to make sure. God bless you, whole family. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, hands in every section. Anyone else? Put them up high so I can see them. Thank you. God bless you. Hands everywhere. Thank you. I prayed that prayer of faith. I really meant it. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, I, I just rejoice and we celebrate with the angels in heaven. Your word says when even one person puts their true faith in you, that a party in heaven and a celebration breaks out. And we celebrate that this morning. There's nothing greater than seeing people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray that the works of their life will be evident that they have real, genuine faith today. And they would grow in that faith in the days ahead. Now, the heads bowed and eyes closed. I know there's many of you here this morning. You say, I know that I'm saved. I know that I have genuine faith. But if I'm honest, I could show my faith more often. I could love more. I could serve more. I could give more. For some of you, you've accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. But you haven't shown your faith in the first way Jesus tells you to show your faith. It's called baptism. That's the first opportunity we have to show our faith. And you need to take that step. Maybe you need to show your faith by getting into a small group and being with other believers and fellowshipping and caring and loving like James talked about. Or be discipled or disciple others. Are you walking the walk? And as believers in Jesus Christ all across the auditorium this morning, how many of you would say, yeah, I know I'm saved, but I know my life could show my faith better in some areas. And would you pray for me? I, I want to commit to that. Would you slip up your hand all across the auditorium? God bless you. Thank you. Hands everywhere. Mine's up with you, church. Father, I pray that we would be doers of your word and not just hearers. This, the book of James is so practical that, that if we know, know it, that we show it. That our faith is real and genuine. That other people see it and that they would... See our good works and that we would would glorify our Father in heaven and would draw other people to a real and a genuine faith. Lord, we know that our works do not save us, but they show that we are saved. Lord, we pray that we would have a life that others see as different. We're not perfect, but Lord, that we're progressing. That we're growing in our relationship with you each and every day, every week, every month, every year. And that it's evident in our life and that others would see it. We thank you for your word. We thank you for James and the very practical challenge he's given to us today. Thank you for all the new brothers and sisters in Christ that have joined your family today. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You all know what to do. Amen. Let's celebrate those decisions. Amen. Amen. If you made a decision to accept Christ today, please let us know about it there on your connection card so we can continue to pray for you. Just drop that in the offering bucket as it goes by. We'll receive our gifts in a moment. Also, if you're a first-time guest here at Orchard Church, thank you for being our guest today. Uh, we hope we've blessed you as much as you've blessed us with your presence today in our service. Hopefully, fill out your guest connection card. Drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by so we can send you a thank you gift in the mail uh, for being our guest today. Let's stand as we close in response of worship and worship through our giving. Uh, next week, we continue on in the book of James. Are you guys enjoying James? Great book. James chapter 3 next week. God bless you guys.